News Talk 1010. Hey, happy long weekend. Thanks for spending it uh, with me, or at least part of it this evening. It is, I'm sure as you know, the last long weekend of the summer. And it finally actually started to feel like summer with some of that hot, uh, hot and humid weather. However, it did make it... Uh, a great weekend to enjoy the air show, for one. I haven't seen the air show since I was a little kid, but uh, I live downtown not too far from the water, so I can hear it when it's going on. Sometimes if I look up, I can see one going by. Um, also, the last day of August, but not everyone is sad about that, to tell you the truth. If you talk to some parents, they're a little bit relieved. Starting on Tuesday, of course, a lot of people are getting back to their regular routines with uh, kids in school, and uh, I know some parents have been... <laughs> Kind of looking forward to this for a little while. Uh, just a reminder to people as well who have been enjoying some of the lighter than normal traffic throughout the past few weeks that come Tuesday, most people are back to work, back to school, and uh, you want to give yourself a little bit of extra time to not be frustrated, especially with all that ongoing construction, which is really annoying. Um, it's also a really exciting time for new university students, you know, moving into their dorm rooms, away from home for the first time. The other day I passed by uh, Ryerson University, and a friend of mine pointed out to me that it's this week marks 20 years since I moved to Toronto. And um, that's always really amazed me because I never thought I was going to stay. I thought I would move to Toronto for four years, you know, to um, take my radio and television arts degree at Ryerson and then move back home. I never once thought or desired staying in this city. I always wanted to move back home. Uh, but of course, you know, things would always go as planned. And sometimes the city you're in provides more work opportunities than the one you want to go back to. And you just find yourself here 20 years later. Uh, and I saw these students moving into their, their dorm rooms with these mini fridges and um, their boxes of stuff. And it just kind of made me feel a bit nostalgic thinking that it was 20 years ago. At that time, when I went to Ryerson, which, as you know, is not too far from Young and Dundas, um, Young and Dundas Square was not fancy. It didn't have this nice area where you could, you know, sit at a, a table and just like hang out. It didn't have little, uh, little fountain sprinkler things. It didn't have these flashy lights and uh, great shopping. No, it was like Young and Dundas, not too long ago, was like this dirty block of for the most part, like trinket stores, like where you bought little souvenirs, uh, a lot of pawn shops and discount clothing stores that you didn't even feel comfortable going into. Also, at the time before the mall was renovated, the Eaton Center actually had an Eaton's store inside. That's how long ago it was. And people used to shop there at this place called Eaton's. So to all of you getting ready for a new school year, be nice. Play nice. Enjoy it. Uh, some of the people I met in my first year at Ryerson, now 20 years ago, uh, remain my closest and best friends. So you really do, whether you love going back to school or not, um, I really think it's a it's a time that you remember and you make a lot of, uh, of lasting connections. Um, tonight, I'm actually doing a two-hour show, so I hope you'll you know tune in for part of it if you're driving uh, maybe back from the cottage or heading up somewhere. Vinny is away this weekend, so I'm going to fill in for him, and I'll be here until 10 p.m. And I've got uh, two hours of great guests and... Fun topics, I think. Um, the Toronto International Film Festival is already creating a huge buzz in the city. And you know what? 
whether you are into the festival or not, you can't deny that it creates a really great energy for the city. Truthfully, I don't partake in a lot of film festival activities. I, uh, I think I've seen maybe one or two film festival movies in, in now the 20 years that I've been in Toronto. I'm a little unorganized when it comes to, you know, going through the booklet, seeing what's coming to town and deciding what I want to see and then going and going through and purchasing the tickets. But I do love that it brings in a lot of people and uh, and I like the excitement um, that it brings to Toronto and also that it shines an international spotlight on our great city and on a lot of local talent. So even if you aren't a huge fan of the film festival or the people that come in, you know, it um, you have to remember that it really adds a lot to our economy and it provides a lot of people in this city with some work. So yes, we always hear about how the hotels and the restaurants benefit, but think about things like the taxi drivers, um, you know, small, even smaller places, smaller little coffee shops where you know people from out of town are coming in to take part in the festival. They're going out for a bite to eat. Um, they're shopping around as well. Uh, caterers, uh, venues, you know, they hire people to help. So in that way, it's great for Toronto. You know, it really does. Um, help out a lot of people and it gives people some work so that's a reason I think to appreciate it and be thankful for it so I'd like to know how you feel about TIFF actually like do you care are you going to see any movies is there a celebrity coming to town that you're hoping to catch a glimpse of send me a text and let me know uh, the number to text in is 71010 you can also call in if you like 416-872-1010 or star 8255 on your cell phone uh, let me know if you've got any excitement over the film festival and how you feel about it um, I'll also talk to someone on the show who's worked with many big Hollywood celebrities to plan events and parties and uh, knows what it takes to host a lot of the big names in the city you have to remember that we are up there on par with some of the great international film festivals like Cannes and Sundance and it takes a lot to pull off a party or event or a red carpet that is comparable, you know, that makes movie studios and celebrities want to be here. I'll also talk to Now Magazine's pop culture writer about some of the places you might be able to catch a glimpse of a Hollywood celebrity. And whether you think that's exciting or not, it's kind of fun to be able to say that you were somewhere and Robert Downey Jr. was buying a sandwich you know, next to you. Uh, also coming up on the show from the guys who brought you Poutine Week, we have La Burger Week. It's kicking off from September 1st to the 7th, and you get to be the judge. You can find special burgers at several Toronto restaurants available only for this week. And, of course, vote on your favorite. So I'll talk to the creator of La Burger Week later this hour. And uh, you know him from many TV appearances and for his roster of successful Toronto restaurants. He's got a new one that's opening up just in time for TIFF. He's also got that hit show, uh, MasterChef Canada. Michael Bonaccini will join me at 9 p.m. to tell me about uh, the new project he's working on and what his restaurants are planning during the film festival. And if you love food trucks... And you should, and you should try to support them. They're small businesses who work really hard. There's a huge food truck event that is free to attend coming up this Saturday in Mississauga. Over 30 food trucks in one space. So you can really um, just feast, you know, eat till you're full, digest, 
go back for more. Um, and I'll tell you more about that as well. It is, I swear, worth the drive to Mississauga to check it out. Um, after the break, what does it take to host a celebrity event in this city? And what are some of the movie stars really like? I'll talk to someone who knows. This is the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. I'm live until 10 p.m. tonight uh, covering for Vinny, who is away this long weekend. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, the Toronto International Film Festival is kicking off this week, but the preparations have been underway for a while, and uh, the excitement is certainly building in the city. Jordan Fogel is the CEO of the Mint Agency. He's worked as a marketing strategist and event architect for over 15 years. He joins me on the line right now. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Pei. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Now, are you getting ready and geared up for the film festival? Oh, ready as ever. I'm enjoying the uh, calm before the storm right now, though. I bet. Now, you've worked on events not just for TIFF, but for Cannes, Sundance, and you've planned parties for some of Hollywood's biggest names. Um, so what are you working on this year? Oh, for the uh, film festival this year? Yeah. Uh, we've got a, got a pretty big slate. Uh, we're working with a few different venues. Uh, we've got everything from private dinners to cocktail parties. Um, working with some talent like Kevin Costner and Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler, Chris Evans. We've got a pretty uh, pretty exciting year coming up. Now, what sort of event requires, I guess, the most work or the or the most time? Because, like you said, there's a variety. There might be smaller private dinners, but then there's like big parties. Yeah, you know what? Like ultimately, they all sort of require the same amount of detail, whether it's a 20-person dinner or a 400-person gala. Uh, you know, you find yourself working with a lot of the same sort of um, needs and vendors and just sort of making sure that, you know, the experience is seamless, whether it's a small or large event. Now, do you have, do you have a favorite type of event, like one that you go, yeah, this is the kind of thing I like to work on? I mean, I personally really enjoy the, like, boutique kind of like cocktail parties, about 100, mm-hmm. 150 people. Um, you know, I find that they're, they're nice and controlled and people tend to, you know, let loose if it's a comfortable and insecure environment. Um, but, you know, it usually, it usually lends itself to having a DJ and some music and people get up dancing and the food's always passed around. So I, just, I find that the energy at those parties is really infectious and, and fun. It's kind of nice and intimate when you have a small, I mean, even 100 people isn't super small, but it's much smaller than a, like a giant venue with thousands of people. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, especially when you're planning these events, you know, you're really nonstop. So you're constantly walking around and trying to, you know, find the next person and solve the next problem. So the smaller the event, so, <laughs> you know, the, the less work, I guess, it seems you're, you're doing on site. Right. Now, uh, can you tell me about, I guess, some memorable events or parties you've worked on during TIFF? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, I've been doing them for almost 15 years now, so I've got quite a few um, events that we've done. But, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I've taken pride in, um, you know, meeting certain people because they've represented special moments in my life. So I remember, like, one of the first celebrities I ever met was Daryl Hannah at a, a party we did, you know, when I was, like, really young, 25 years old. Um, and for me, it was really exciting because Daryl Hannah was that celebrity when I was a little kid that was sort of <laughs> that defining moment in my life when I really started realizing, like, I liked girls, you know, watching the movie <laughs> Splash. So I actually went up to her and I was like, you know, I just want to thank you for, like, this moment in my life. And she was really sweet, thought it was cute. 
Um, but you know, we've done you know some really some really fun parties with like you know a Jamie Foxx where everyone's like you know ad libbing and freestyle rapping on a microphone and champagne popping um, to you know some really sort of like intimate dinner parties with um, the likes of you know Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill where we actually brought in one of Brad's favorite chefs, Tom Colicchio from wow. New York, and put like a really nice um, you know dinner together. So you know there's small sort of wins and, and special moments that seem really exciting. Now, what sort of special considerations um, do you need to keep in mind when you're planning a really big A-list event, especially one I, I would imagine where you don't want everyone to know all the details too far in advance? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely some, some tips that we always try to, um, you know, stick to every year. First and foremost, we never really do pre-press. So, you know, we want to make sure that our talent, you know, who are just regular people when everything's said and done, are treated like that at their event. We want them to be comfortable and feel safe. So we try not to let everybody know where they're going to be and when. We don't want, you know, like, paparazzi pits and gawkers and stalkers sort of out front waiting. Um, you know, diet is, is really important, especially if we're doing things with, you know, like a sit-down dinner. So we want to get an understanding of what kind of food they're interested in or maybe what kind of food speaks to the theme of the party and sort of pick up some of those elements. You know, ultimately, because the landscapes change so much in film, a lot of the talent are actually involved, you know, in the back end of the film, you know, producers. Will, and, you know, the, the party is really special for them. So we want to sort of pull as many elements of that particular film out of the film and sort of bring it to life at the event itself. Now, I know that uh, oftentimes, you know, there are certain celebrities tied to a movie or an, or an event. So you know that this event is going to feature, you know, this A-lister. But some celebrities kind of, they like to really fly under the radar. And they almost don't want anyone to know that they're going to be appearing at a certain place or attending a certain event until the very last minute. But and maybe that was something that was easier to pull off five, ten years ago before people tweeted locations or put things up on Facebook that they saw or heard? How do you manage to actually keep secrets a secret? Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, it's a good question. And yeah, you know, with, with today's, everybody's a reporter today, right? Everyone's yeah. got a smartphone. Everyone, so. everyone thinks they're a reporter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I think really, you know, we just, we do a really good job of just not letting people know where our events are taking place or when they're taking place. Ultimately, it's a lot of the same hotspots that people are going to year after year, but you never know what day and at what time that place is going to be the hotspot. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, we always try to set up anything from privacy walls to private entrances. You know, I know when we did that, the Moneyball Dinner for Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie was in town. You know, we did a, um, a little pre-screening of the venue beforehand with their security detail. We figured out, you know, different kind of entrances that we could work with. So sometimes it's sneaking people in through kitchens. Sometimes it's sneaking them in through back alleys. But, you know, ultimately anything from a lot of security or pay-duty officers to privacy walls and, you know, vinyling the front windows <laughs> of restaurants tends to do a pretty good job of, you know, not letting people know who's inside. It just seems really stressful. I just feel like it's like part secret service, part, you know, party <laughs> planner, part caterer. Um, have you ever had a sort of um, I'm never doing that again kind of moment? Um, I mean, there's definitely been some challenges that we had, we've had over the years. Uh, you know, I know, like, we, we once put, like, a beautiful, beautiful dinner together, 
and one of the A-list talents at the film sat down to the dinner and was like, you know what? I just want to eat Mexican. I'm not interested in this comfort food. So, <laughs> oh you know, we had to throw an audible in the middle of the, of the party and basically I had to send one of my staff out to, you know, a nice Mexican restaurant, pick up an order and bring it, bring it to her to, to eat. So, you know, it's something that, like, us admit, we're really diligent. We, we can, you know, we can sort of interact and, and move when we need to really quickly. But, yeah, I mean, after that happened, I was like, you know what, that's the last time I really want to be going out in the middle of a party and getting Mexican. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's first time, last time. Um, although, you know, tacos are still really popular right now, Jordan. Um, now, how, how do you deal with, I guess, like unrealistic demands or requests? Like, can you ever say no to a celebrity if they just come up with, like, this random request? I mean, like you said, they wanted a certain dinner. You're able to go out and get that. Uh, but... Are you ever asked for something where you think, you know what, this is near impossible? Yeah, I think like no's really not in our vocabulary when it comes down to this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some things are impossible to do. You know, I remember way, way back in the day doing an event and, um, you know, one of the celebrities was adamant about having a certain kind of mustard to be flown in from London, England. Are you which, kidding? <laughs> yeah, which just was not happening in 24 hours. So, you know, some stuff is just not possible but ultimately you know i think that's one thing we, we do really well at mint is just being able to you know react and and you know solve those problems or meet those needs where where possible um now can you i guess mention a few celebs that you have really enjoyed working with um yeah for sure i mean we've you know i've done a few events with with brad pitt who's like just a lovely guy and um, you know, really humble and, like, courteous when you actually meet him in person, which is, you know, was fantastic. Uh, a few things with Jennifer Aniston, who's also, you know, so sweet. Um, you know, Matthew McConaughey's been a, a really fun guy and, you know, like a funny guy to actually sit down and talk to. Um, Mark Wahlberg was a hilarious guy. I actually had a great story with uh, Emma Watson a couple years ago. We did the Perks of Being a Wallflower party, and, um, you know, she was just, delightful we all know her as like Hermione from the yeah. Harry Potter series um and there was this young boy this like 10 year old boy that was like waiting outside of our party to meet Emma Watson and it was getting pretty late it was like 12 o'clock at night and I was like you know I went outside and I was like I, I think you probably should be home your parents are getting worried and he was like you know I'm just waiting out here till the party's over and uh party wasn't ending till two o'clock in the morning so I asked her security detail if it would be okay if I brought him in and he just sort of had like a quick little meet and greet with her and she was so willing to do it, like signed an autograph for him, posed for a picture. He was in like complete shell shock and left with like the biggest smile on his face and was like, you know, everyone's going to love me at school tomorrow. And just like little things like that just sort of make me feel good that I could actually, you know, make it happen for this young kid. Well, that's something um, he'll, re he'll always remember. It's not going to make the front page of the paper the next day, but, you know, it's such a, a memorable moment in that boy's life. A hundred percent. And listen, she didn't need to do that, but she like went out of her way to make it, you know, really special and nice for him. So you know, I think like things like that are really fun. But, um, you know, I remember we did like the wrestler like years and years ago, um, which turned into this crazy after party where we had like 21 A-list celebrities there and six Oscar winners and, and wow. you know, like, and, and it just like the, the energy of the room and sort of watching you know, like Jennifer Aniston hanging out with Mickey Rourke, hanging out with um, Sean Penn. It was just sort of like really cool to sort of watch the fact that we, you know, broke it all down and put that together. Oh, yeah, that's it, amazing. Well, congratulations. It, it, and yeah, um, no, thanks. Also, good luck with TIFF this year. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thanks for your time, Jordan. No problem. Have a great night.
That's Jordan Fogel, the uh, CEO of Mint Agency, and uh, he's uh, had a lot of experience putting on big parties, especially during TIFF. After the break, if you're hoping to spot an A-list celebrity in town next week, Now Magazine's Sabrina Mato will give me some insight into where they're likely to hang out. You're listening to The Pei Chen Show on until 10 p.m. tonight. PeiChen.com is where you can go to catch the podcast. You're listening to the all-new Pei Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Well, whether you like it or not, or you take part in it, or you just, you know, couldn't really be bothered, the Toronto International Film Festival draws some big names and also a lot of movie fans to this city who hope to catch a glimpse of them. Sabrina Maddow is on the line. She's a uh, pop culture and fashion writer for Now Magazine, and she's also working the TIFF beat this year. Sabrina, are you resting up? Yes, I'm definitely getting a little <laughs> bit of extra sleep in this weekend before all the festivities begin. You pretty much have to bank the sleep, don't you? It's almost like carb loading for athletes, but yeah. sleep loading for journalists because, you know, you're up all night to 5 a.m., then you're turning in your copy, and then you're going to movies during the day. So it's really a 24-7 job. So now what are you doing during TIFF? Will you, uh, I guess you're going to see a lot of the movies. You're also going to some of the events. I'll be doing some of the movies. Um, parties are my main gig, so I'll be mm-hmm. out every single night at multiple things. And I'm also doing some of the red carpet premieres. Wow, that's a lot. Yep, definitely is. So again, catching up on the sleep before the week starts. Yeah. So now I know, uh, you know, every year, big name, big Hollywood names, they come to town. Uh, So let's just run down some of the celebrities that we're hosting this year. Well, this year's a good year. There's a lot, a lot of celebrities coming into town. Um, My personal favorite is Benedict Cumberbatch. He's coming back again. He was here last year. Mm-hmm. Um, some others are Al Pacino, John Stewart, who's here with his um, directorial debut, Rosewater. We- Reese Witherspoon, who's in two films this year, Channing Tatum, Julianne Moore, Tina Fey, Denzel Washington, Jennifer Aniston, Robert Downey Jr., who's starring in The Judge, which is actually the opening night film. The list just goes on and on. There's like a celebrity for everyone, no matter who you're into. Wow. It's like being at the Oscars. Basically, it is. And the great thing is when they come to Toronto, they tend to be pretty accessible. So there's actually a good chance of seeing your favorite celebrity, maybe getting an autograph or even getting a photo if you're really lucky. Now, it used to be um, and even just a few years ago, I remember that if you wanted to see a celebrity, you kind of just hung out in Yorkville because that's where a lot of the big hotels were that people went to. Also, a lot of, you know, the more upscale restaurants. But it's now spread out because now we've got like the Tiff Bell Lightbox, which is downtown at like King and John. Um, Yorkville is still hot so for people who who might want to catch a glimpse of their favorite actor uh where you know with your inside information like where do you think is a good place to to be well it's definitely more spread out like you said ever since the tiff bell light box moved down onto king west um a lot of the stars have moved into that downtown core area so the restaurants and hotels around there are really really great spots there's still some celebrity activity up in yorkville i'd say if you're still going to do the yorkville thing go to um the Hazleton Hotel with mm-hmm. the one restaurant, the Park Hyatt, Four Seasons, will still have celebrities there. Um, there's a little nightclub in that area called Amber, which is pretty popular with celebrities. So those are the spots in Yorkville. Otherwise, everything's moved to the downtown core. Now, are there certain um, restaurants or uh, venues that people can, you know, hang around where they might see an actor? Yeah, definitely. Um, in the past, Soho House is always a big one. You can't get in unless you're a member, but if you know someone who is or you are one, Really great spot to hang out. Otherwise, they have this little smoking area on the side that celebrities always go out. 
So if <laughs> really? you just want to kind of, yeah, casually saunter by. I mean, don't do anything too creepy, but you might uh, glimpse one of your favorite stars. Um, Versailles down on King West is really, really popular, and its um, sister restaurant, Hudson's Kitchen, hosted both Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston last year. So that's another really hot spot. Um, Montecito, which is Ivan Reitman's new restaurant. Oh, yeah, um, that's a big one. to be a pretty popular one. And apparently it has, like, some sort of underground tunnel that actually connects to the theater. So celebrities can just scoot in and out. So maybe not hanging outside on the street for that one, but if you're lucky enough to snap up a reservation there, mm-hmm. could be a pretty good bet. Now, I know that, um, like, there are some actors, some celebrities who come to town who kind of like to, they like to lay low or go off on their own. Like, you hear those... Um, I think the ones that always catch my attention, the stories, are the ones where someone says something like, oh, I just saw Rachel McAdams riding her bike in Kensington Market or, you know, some actor who's hanging out at a tiny little diner. Um, You know, do you have any stories of, I guess, celebrity spotting outside of the typical venues? Yeah, totally. And this is, I'm glad you brought this up because we have this great tool now called social media. (laughs) So you can Google or tap in your favorite celebrity's name on Twitter and chances are someone has spotted them. So that's a really good tool to keep in mind. Um, In terms of kind of off um, center bars, uh, Sweaty Betty's actually has been really popular. Drew Barrymore was spotted there in the past and it's kind of a little dive bar um, on the West End. Mm -hmm. But um, celebrities tend to frequent there actually. And Is that the one on on Ossington? Yes, on the Ossington Strip. And the Ossington Strip also has a lot of really good restaurants too. So that's Mm -hmm. a good area. Um, I wouldn't say it's like where all the celebrities are going to be, but if they kind of want to get away from that King West hullabaloo, that's um, a good little trick to have in your back pocket. Now, uh, for you, for someone who who covers TIFF and is on the red carpets and goes to the parties, um, what celebrities make for the most interesting stories? Like when you know that you're going to an event and, you know, celebrity A is there and you go, okay, something's probably going to happen or there's going to be a little story that comes of it. Usually the ones you can tell through, like, stories that come out through the air that like to party or are pretty sociable. So I'm actually looking forward to Reese Witherspoon this year. Because she if you seems pay so... attention to the media, yeah. she, she likes to drink. She likes to have oh. a good time. So I could see um, some interesting interactions coming out of her being here for sure. Now, who's on your list in terms of people that you really want to, um, you know, either snap a photo with or, or chat or chat to? Um, definitely Benedict Cumberbatch, as I mm-hmm. mentioned, he's like my dream celebrity as I think he's gorgeous. <laughs> um, and as an aside, coming to a Now magazine cover near you soon. Oh, that's um, good. Denzel Washington, who's just so talented. I would love to meet him. Tina Fey, who's such a strong woman and just so funny. Um, and Robert Downey Jr., he's just had such an interesting life story. I think it'd be great to spark up a conversation with him. Now, what is it like um, on the red carpet? Because I think for a lot of listeners who who just see these short little clips on TV and it seems really exciting. It seems really fun. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you sort of have the, um, I guess, the real version of of what it's actually like. So can you describe a little bit of what that sort of energy is like? It's a lot of waiting. (laughs) It might seem really glamorous when the clip comes out at the end, but you are waiting there for like an hour as they go down the media line and do all the interviews. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, who can complain about getting to talk to celebrities and I think the key to getting a good interview or even talking to a celebrity at a party you run into is act like a normal person like don't try to rehearse what you're going to say don't freak out don't be weird just have a conversation ask them how they're doing in town try to relate 
to them on like if they say they went to Burgers Priest last week, talk to them about your experience going to Burgers Priest, you know? So uh, out of the, I guess, the different celebrities that you have met or or even have just observed uh, through the parties and, and through the red carpets, who stands out in your mind as being uh, someone who makes your job easier? My favorite celebrity to talk to of all time, he's not coming this TIFF, but Daniel Radcliffe mm-hmm. is really, really great. Um, he was here last TIFF promoting two films, and I was at the after party with him for Kill Your Darlings. And he actually stopped and talked with journalists. Um, I talked to him for about like 20 minutes about the most random things, like my love of craft dinner. And um, <laughs> You do have this well-documented brunch. love of craft dinner. <laughs> yeah, and I tend to like, I guess maybe when I get nervous around celebrities, sometimes talk to them about cheese. <laughs> so, but they well, think it's funny, and we tend to have really good conversations. Well, you, I guess you love cheese, and I love cheese too, and we have this like mutual affection and um, adoration for, for cheese. So I guess it's good because you, you, uh, you fall back on what you know. So yes, you start talking exactly. to celebrities about cheese. Exactly. And just um, last year, like Michael Fassbender was really awesome. He was dancing in the night away at Soho House. Um, yeah, there's a lot of celebrities. When they come to Toronto, they let their guard down, I think, a little bit more than usual. And mm-hmm. they tend to go out and have a good time, which is why it's such a great festival for fans. Like all the other film festivals, there's also great celebrities, there's good movies, but Toronto's all about the fans and the fact that they're so accessible and so willing to meet everyone and have a good time. I just think there's nothing else like it. So now uh, for people who are possibly, you know, going to um, hang out somewhere hoping to see a celebrity or who might just be walking down the street and and see one, uh, what's your take on stopping a celebrity or asking them for a photo or an autograph? Some people think like, oh, no, you know, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to do that. But in your opinion, you know, should we be going for it? I think um, there's certain base rules to follow, like don't bother a celebrity if they're eating dinner. That's mm-hmm. a huge no-no. Um, but if they're walking down the street, I mean, look at their body language. Are they like surrounded by six big security guards and obviously running into a screening? Then maybe it's not a great time. If they're more casual and they're enjoying their afternoon, as long as you're polite, I mean, most celebrities won't mind. Yeah. Well, and you're right, and because when they come to Toronto, they do know that it is very much about the fans, and they oftentimes, you know, wander off on their own because they know they can. And uh... yeah, they're prepared for that. And so, if they're at a bar having drinks, like yeah, go up and say hi. Just like I said, don't bother them during dinner. Don't press too hard if you're getting some weird body language or an initial no. Just right. treat them like you would anyone else with respect and manners. Uh, good advice. Thanks so much, Sabrina, and best of luck during TIFF this year. Thank you so much. That's Sabrina Maddow. She's a pop culture writer for Now Magazine, and uh, we'll be covering the Toronto International Film Festival for now, so you can uh, pick up the next copy and read all about it there. Now, coming up next, uh, do you like burgers? Who doesn't? Maybe cows. The Burger Week is in its third year, and it has expanded to six Canadian cities, asking restaurants to put their best burger forward with the juiciest and most original burger creations to win your vote for best burger. And these limited specials are available for only one week. I'll talk to one of the organizers of Le Burger Week just after the break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I'm covering for Vinnie White as well tonight, so I'll be live on air until 10 p.m. You can always call in 416-872-1010 or start 8255 on your cell phone or send in a text at 71010. If you miss a podcast, paychen.com is where you can go to catch uh, previous shows.
new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for joining me this uh, long weekend, last day of summer. Finally feels like summer. We're heading into September and back to school. Uh, I'm on until 10 p.m. tonight covering for Vinny, who is away this weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Burger fans have a reason to hit up some of their favorite restaurants this week as a couple of restaurants create new menu items to win the title of Best Burger during Le Burger Week. Naeem Adam is a co-founder of La Burger Week, also Poutine Week as well. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Naeem. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited for uh, Burger Week. But can we just explain what La Burger Week actually is? Yeah, so essentially it's, uh, it, it's about 20 to 40 restaurants in different cities that make something special. So in this case, it's a burger, special for the week only. And uh, it's, it's a fun contest at the same time. So if you go to the website, theburgerweek.com, you get to vote for the ones you like the best. And uh, we, we give out awards at the end of the week. So now this is the, the third annual, but is this the first time in Toronto? Yeah, it's the first time in Toronto. Uh, it's the third time in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the second time in some other cities. So uh, we're, we're trying to expand every year, trying to get uh, our main goal is to find the best burger in Canada. <laughs> That's uh, not a bad goal to have in life, really. Uh, so La Burger Week is taking place September 1st to 7th. I know, uh, as you were saying, you've expanded to a couple more cities um, in Canada. So what are the other cities taking part? Uh, we have Ottawa and Gatineau. We have uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, of course, Quebec City, and Montreal. Now, like, why put this on? I mean, why try and get all these different cities involved? And I mean, as it is, it's not like burgers aren't popular. It's not like you're trying to sell us on, you know, spinach or something. It's something that people already enjoy eating. So, uh, you know, why get Le Burger Week going? Spinach Week doesn't sound sound the same, does no, it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> and it sounds like it'd be something that would need a lot of promotion. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I mean, burgers, it's really been about bringing people together and having people celebrate around something fun. And uh, burgers, uh, just like Putin did, uh, really really do that a lot of people get to to come around and, and you go out with your friends and you enjoy something and everybody really loves the burger and there's so many different kinds it's not even funny there it's a burger is not just you know your mcdonald's burger anymore it's like you you can have uh tuna burgers shrimp burgers chicken beef whatever it is uh tons of vegetarian ones too so it really satisfies a, a wide range of uh cravings i guess now i you sent me the list of uh the restaurants in toronto that are are taking part and what they're making so all the restaurants taking part in the burger week have come up with a special creation specifically for this event so it's september 1st to 7th um so for example like the lakeview restaurant their special yeah. le burger week creation is six ounces of uh, ground chuck topped with three crispy deep fried mac and cheese balls um which is like two delicious foods in one you've got a burger and then you've got mac and cheese uh barbecue sauce pickles lettuce tomato um with fries and salad you know you've got um let's see game day on college street the works gourmet burger bistro toma burger addiction duke's refresher and bar kaplansky's West Lodge, uh, Wild Burger. Okay, Lisa Marie, they're doing the Nutella Burger. Yeah, did you get a chance to see that picture? 
No, I'm, I'm not sure about it, but yet I, I adore uh, Matt at Lisa Marie, so I'm sure it's good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it's really one of those love-hate burgers, I guess, or love-hate situations. You have, you know, you have the beef and, and everything that's like, you know, savory, and then you're putting that Nutella on top. I, I'm not sure. It, it's, it, that's a tricky one. I, I, some days I wake up and I'm like, you know what, I try it. And other days I'm like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess it's worth trying. Um, I love this one. This one sounds interesting as well. Patois is a new restaurant that's opened up on Dundas Street West, uh, just west of Bathurst. Their burger is a Chinese pineapple bun burger, two griddle smash patties, oyster sauce mayo, hickory sticks, and festival dumpling battered onion rings. So people are being very creative. Yeah, and that's the point. So what was different this year compared to other years when we've been in the other cities is that we didn't put a price limit to any of the burgers, and we did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. We wanted the chefs to really push and do something creative uh, and, and so that reflects to them as a chef and also the restaurant as much as possible. So that's why, um, you know, we are seeing some, some crazy and really innovative, delicious burgers. So now how does this work? Because it's not just about, you know, a couple of restaurants signing up and creating something new for a week. Uh, it's, it's about voting and it's about winning in certain categories, right? So there's three categories, uh, if I understand correctly. There's judge's choice. There's veggie, so people can vote on the best veggie burger. And then there's the imposter category, which is something that I don't understand this one. It's something that isn't really a burger. Like, so what are you doing? Voting on like lasagna right. or what? Well, there's uh, there's a few there's a few burgers out there that are that are imposters, I guess I would say. And I'm I'm saying burgers with quotations because you know the chef says here's a burger, but it it it's two waffles with fried chicken in the middle. <laughs> okay. Yes. And and I'm like, okay, I'm not I'm not too sure that's a burger, mm-hmm. but. Uh, we're going to let it slide, of course, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what people say in the end. So, okay, and tell me how Haiti is involved with Le Burger Week. So, um, one of our, our goals was to, to find a way to give back. And in the previous years, we kept our bottom line wasn't enough to leave a, a good impact anywhere we went. So, what we noticed is that a lot of these restaurants are 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 doing well throughout the week you know they're they're the business is going well people are coming in uh they're bringing in their friends it's good visibility they said how can we how can we do something how can we give something back and we said why don't we just take our model itself and and bring and donate it to, you know to, to to haiti and just do it do it for them there and let all the restaurants there that have burger that want to present something have a chance to to expose themselves and to 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 talk about something, to give them content to, to talk about and get people to go uh, and, and try their stuff. So do you mean that Le Burger Week is happening in Haiti? It's happening in Port-au-Prince, yes, it is. Oh, wow, that's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah well, we have 20 restaurants in Port-au-Prince. Wow, that's amazing. That's great. And, and all with the goal of just getting people to frequent the small businesses a little bit more. Um, yeah, well, exactly. Thank you so much for your time, and um, and good luck with it for people who want to find out more at leburgerweek.com. It's also where you go to vote. Thanks so much, Neem. Thank you so much. That's Aneem Adam, co-founder of La Burger Week. So September 1st to 7th is uh, when you can try some of these delicious new creations. Again, LaBurgerWeek.com to find out which restaurants are participating. Uh, taking a quick break here on uh, the Pei Chen Show. After the break, if you think animals aren't as crafty as humans, haha, I'll tell you about one panda who faked her own pregnancy. That's right. You're listening to the all-new Pei Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. 
Thanks for tuning in. I'm sticking around for another hour. I'm covering for Vinnie White, so I'll be here until 10 p.m. tonight. I uh, just want to tell you about this. <laughs> really, I love this. I love the story. It's like pretending to be sick, only you can stretch it out for much longer. A giant panda in China gave zookeepers hope when she showed signs of being pregnant. So signs like, you know, reduced appetite and all that. So they put her under observation. And then they decided that she would start on a live broadcast of the birth. They were really excited. After two months of you know, watching this giant panda, they realize that, in fact, she's not pregnant. And um, they say that not all fake pregnancies among animals are due to hormonal changes, because sometimes that happens. They believe this panda learned this behavior because when they think pandas are about to, um, are carrying a baby, they receive better treatment. They get moved into a single room with air conditioning, around-the-clock care. They receive more buns, fruit, and bamboo. And uh, they think this panda actually used all of these treats and this better living condition to uh, basically just lead them along and get more buns. Like this panda is, I think, kind of my soulmate. I love this story. All right, uh, coming up to news at 9 o'clock, but stick around. I'm back with Michael Bonaccini in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Vinny White until 10 p.m. tonight. Vinny just went away for the long weekend. Uh, hopefully you have been enjoying this last long weekend of summer. A hot one with the air show in town, the CNE, and uh, Comic-Con as well. I live not too far from the Metro Toronto Convention Center. So I can tell you that when you see people dressed up as their favorite superhero or sci-fi character, it's not really strange on most days in Toronto. But this is the weekend that they travel in packs. Uh, there's also a lot of excitement in the city because of the Toronto International Film Festival kicking off in a couple of days. Whether you take part or not, it brings a lot of uh, business and also just really great energy to the city. And it also shines in uh, international spotlight on many talented Canadians. So that's always something to be proud of and something to celebrate. Hotels and restaurants, of course, benefit a great deal from TIFF. And one man who knows all about this is Michael Bonaccini from Oliver and Bonaccini, uh, also known to many as a very well-dressed judge on MasterChef Canada. Hi, Michael. Hi there, Pei. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I know that you are just gearing up for, well, you've probably been planning this for a long time. I don't think it's just gearing up, but uh, the madness is going to start in a few days for you. It certainly is. And uh, no matter how much you prepare, you always seem to be rushing to get to the finish line. That's for sure. Now, how are you involved with TIFF this year? Because you do have you know, your catering division, multiple restaurants, and I know that you are involved with a lot of the events. Yes, you're absolutely right. Well, I came to Canada in 1985 as the chef at the Windsor Arms Hotel and did my first TIFF event there. And here I am 29 years later, still uh, heavily involved with uh, with TIFF events uh, each and every year. Uh, as you said, we, we have a number of um, uh, venues downtown, uh, particularly at the Bell Lightbox, the TIFF Bell Lightbox, where we have uh, Canteen, Luma and Malaparte. So we're at the hub of the activity right there. Uh, we will be catering to the opening party, the closing party, and uh, of course uh, at a number of other restaurants in the downtown core. 
with extended liquor license, it, it, it allows us to uh, get into the full uh, sort of festive spirit of uh, a film festival. Now, that's quite a big thing to be the official hospitality partner. They have a yes, lot to choose from. Yes, exactly right. I mean, we, we are we are one of the hospitality partners, mm-hmm. and certainly for us, uh, hosting or providing the food services for the opening party, the opening bash, and the closing bash, that's uh, that's a big deal and, and an important deal. Absolutely, the now, bookends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, what kind of uh, I guess what kind of food gets requested during this time of year? Like during TIFF, what sort of things um, are you preparing with the, your team? Well, for the opening and closing parties, they will be uh, cocktail-type receptions with past food, cooking stations, uh, unique created cocktails for that particular event. Um, it, it is it is about the celebration of the arrival of film festival and all of the uh, great movies, the big name movie stars, all the activities for the opening party, and then the closing party is just as big a celebration, if not bigger, because uh, we're ce- we will be celebrating the, the wrap up of uh, what will be hopefully the uh, the most amazing. Uh, 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 events for 2014, yeah. And people can finally relax, I guess, once the closing party comes around. It's like they can just, you know, breathe a sigh of relief and actually enjoy themselves. You're absolutely right. I, you know, I think it's it, it's exhausting for the moviegoers because I know down at the Bell Lightbox, when they release the catalogs of the uh, the the movies that are being showed, shown, the number of, uh, of, of diners and guests that are there planning their two-week event of how they're going to book and where they're going to and where they're going to eat and how they're going to rush off to the next movie. I mean, it's all strategic planning. It's it's, it's amazing. It, people are really dedicated. Those who, I mean, I'm sort of on the peripheral of TIFF. I live downtown, not too far from the Bell TIFF Lightbox, you know, and I, you know, I get some enjoyment out of seeing people rushing around, looking excited. Uh, but for people who are real moviegoers, it, it's like they're planning their their schedule for that entire week. This is the the, the two serious weeks of, of movie going mm-hmm. for those movie lovers. It is all about tactics and strategy and getting their favorite movies in first and being able to, I mean, we have employees within the company that will go and watch five, six, seven movies uh, uh, within a couple of days. It's, oh, wow. it's, it's insane. It's, uh, it's amazing. But it, it's a great buzz in the city and we absolutely love it. Now, uh, because you do have many restaurants throughout the city, and like you said, you've got a, a few that share the block uh, yeah. with the Bell Tiff light box, so it's kind of the, the hub of activity. So, Michael, where should I go if I want to possibly spot a celebrity? <laughs> well, uh, look, we, we have recently, when I say recently, uh, January of this year, taken over the food and beverage services of the Trump Hotel downtown, and we are mm-hmm. absolutely honored and delighted to have done that. And we've done that in partnership with uh, Inc. Entertainment. So at uh, at the Trump, we have um, a great lineup of uh, of celebrities that uh, will be coming and going for various events, for parties, dinners, gatherings, receptions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the likes of Denzel Washington, uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Kevin Spacey, my wife's personal favorite, Colin Farrell. Uh, and uh, they'll hopefully be dining at um, a number of our locations within the Trump Hotel, particularly the uh, the restaurant that we've just launched this uh, this weekend, uh, which was Stock. It's now America. It's so <laughs> America is your new restaurant. So it's the it one is. that people know at the the top of the Trump Hotel, like you said, used to be called Stock. So what can yes. we? What kind of food is being served there? 
Well, it's as you said, it's on the 31st floor of the Trump Hotel. It's south-facing, so it looks down uh, Bay Street from Adelaide. Incredible view. We decided to call it America just because uh, after, after a lot of agonizing name uh, generation generating sessions, we decided let's let's go with America because we are in the Trump Hotel, which is iconic. It's a beautiful building. We would be able to create menus that uh, reflected the wonderful regional cuisine of America. It would be like taking the Route 66, but not just down the California coastline. It would be through every single state from from a culinary perspective, and that is an amazing canvas for us to build on. Um, so we are absolutely delighted to have uh, America launch this weekend with uh, a great nod to uh, regional American cuisine. And like you said, you're hosting a lot of uh, TIFF-related parties there with a lot of big-name celebs. And and you've been working TIFF for many years now, but who are you excited to see this year? Well, I'm, I'm look, I'm one of the world's worst one when it comes to recognizing oh, no. movie stars. They can walk by me and I have no idea who they are. <laughs> And I was listening to the show a little earlier, and and, and uh, my son, a few about six weeks ago, happened to bump into Adam Sandler oh. in, in Yorkville, and he graciously approached him and asked if he would mind uh, taking a selfie with him. And he grabbed him around the waist, hugged him. They did, did a selfie, and he came running home, showing us this selfie of Adam, Adam Sandler. And I said, you know what? That's amazing. There's a guy who's in town doing a movie, and uh, he was just so polite and accommodating to 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 my son. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But I'd love to to meet any of the uh, the A-listers that I've I've just mentioned, uh, even Kevin Costner, uh, uh, Salma Hayek, or Ooh, uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm like that's that's not a bad selfie. Have you? Do you know how to take a selfie? Have you been- I, I, I have I am starting to learn and I'm getting quite good at it now. So watch out on Twitter. I tell you, I warn you. People on Twitter should watch out for your uh, the many selfies that you're about to take. I'm sure. Uh, my guest right now is uh, Chef Michael Bonaccini. Uh, so congratulations on the new restaurant in the Trump Hotel America. Now, because you're hosting so many tiff related events, does this mean that like can regular people go to dine yet, or is that do we have to wait a little while? Yes, no, absolutely. We we are we're, we're open to the public. Uh, we have uh, the Calvin, which is the bar down on the ground floor. We have uh, America up on up on the thirty first floor, and then we have a, a number of um, private event rooms that will be hosting a number of, of smaller TIFF gatherings for various celebrities and so on, and the comings and goings that uh, are a big part of uh, the excitement around uh, around TIFF. Uh, but it is open to the public, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we have uh, in the restaurant. There's a, a beautiful bar on the 31st floor, and then there is a mezzanine floor that uh, it, it can either be used as part of the regular restaurant, or it can also be used as a semi-private room that overlooks the upper level of the dining area and right down Bay Street. Absolutely spectacular. Very nice. And uh, just very quickly, I know that well. You're obviously very busy with uh, TIFF and then launching the new restaurant, all of the parties there. You're also very busy with the second season of MasterChef Canada. The first season was such a huge hit on TV, and I know that throughout this summer, the show has been casting uh, a new round of home cooks from across the country. Have you found that applicants uh, are, are a little bit more savvy because they, you know, we've already had a season go to air? 
Well, we we haven't uh, we haven't. Oh, I certainly haven't had much contact with uh, with the um, the new round of auditioning uh, home cooks. Mm-hmm. I was there for a couple of hours in the audition uh, of here in Toronto, and the the turnout was absolutely mind blowing. It it was way bigger than we'd ever expected. So we're about to get going on on season two. We're waiting to get the green light from from the powers that be. Uh, we've also um, working on a, uh, a holiday special. Uh, which is going to be a very, very exciting uh, culinary competition like you've, you've never seen before. It really is going to be a wonderful show. Uh, so I'm excited to, uh, to get back into my, um, uh, my judicial role. And <laughs> You're very <laughs> hold hard the on people. With my some... fellow judges. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I would assume that, you know, people, if, if they've applied, that they actually did their homework and watched the first season. Uh, I would absolutely bet they have. And if they haven't, then more fool them, let me tell you. Yes. Because they have no idea what they're going to be getting themselves in for. But I do like to think that they have watched because it, it, it was such a, uh, a wonderful success last year. We were uh, blown away with the, um, the the success of the show in the first season, and, and uh, fingers crossed, hope it'll continue uh, in season two. Well, you know what? I really enjoyed watching the show, so I hope that uh, once it gets going, uh, that we can have you back to uh, to talk about it. Anytime, love to be back. All right, thank you so much, Michael, and, and best of luck with uh, with America, and uh, which sounds like a trip that you're taking. No, it's a new restaurant, <laughs> and with That's Tip right. as well. We'll talk to you very soon. Thank you, Faye. Have a That's, good evening. Thank you. That's Michael Bonaccini from Oliver and Bonaccini, also from Master Chef Canada. Seriously, I love that show. I was addicted to it. it made me cry. Uh, coming up, if you want to take better photos, and you should want to, uh, or maybe you just want to look better in photos, you might uh, want to learn some of uh, Hollywood secrets with celebrity photographer Ryan Emberly. He'll give you some tips on how you can just avoid that double chin without needing surgery. And you might not be on a red carpet, but the next time someone wants to take your photo at a party or at a wedding that you're attending, make sure you look the best out of everyone. He's got good tips on how you can do that. Uh, Paychen.com is my website if you want to catch the podcast. If you missed anything from earlier this evening or a show from a previous week, you can always find me there. I'm in for Vinnie White until 10 p.m. tonight. You're listening to the Paychen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Taking a quick break right here. Be back after this. This is the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, I am in for Vinny until 10 p.m. He just uh, he went away for the long weekend, so I am sticking around for him. Hope you've uh, enjoyed your long weekend and the hot weather. Uh, you know, photographers know all about lighting and angles. Celebrities, we've been talking about celebrities a lot uh, during the show tonight because the uh, Toronto International Film Festival is kicking off in a couple of days. And we have a lot of Hollywood celebs who are in town. And they always seem to take such great photos. You know, we always think it's because they're they're so perfect and their makeup looks good and all of that. But sometimes it's just it just comes down to they know how to pose for a picture and they know what their best angle is the rest of us we're the type who take like 20 photos then we delete 19 of them and then we keep the one that might be kind of okay to show people and put online so on the phone right now i've got ryan emberly he's a society and celebrity photographer who will definitely be uh, all over the uh, tiff events and red carpets in the next few weeks i'm sure hi ryan hey pay so i uh, i'm 
pretty sure that you will be at a lot of parties and events for TIFF, right? That is correct, yep. Okay. And you've obviously photographed some of Hollywood's most beautiful people. So who are you looking forward to seeing this this year? Well, good question. Um, Jennifer Aniston's going to be in town. That's an exciting one. She doesn't uh, always make it this way. Um, Al Pacino will be here. That's kind of exciting. The older Ooh. guys are always a lot of fun to take photos of because they just have so much character in their faces and it's just you know it's easy 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 yeah um another celebrity who actually takes amazing photos in person is kim kardashian um hopefully god willing will never be at the film festival for anything <laughs> film related you know but uh, you never great. know that those home movies that she's known to make uh yeah you never know well i don't know home movies yeah but uh, <laughs> hopefully nothing hollywood related no um so and she always looks great in photos Fantastic, flawless, and and as you were saying, um, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, as you were saying, uh, she, it's uh, the makeup, but it's also the posing. She knows how to pose. She knows her angles, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's such a key thing. And I think for people who want to have that kind of success as well, uh, mimicking uh, those poses is, is you know you look at the pictures, you look at the the, the footage, and you just you try and, and copy those poses and. and it does a big difference, I think. So now, I guess for people who, uh, you know, where I'm, I'm not on red carpets, you know, I don't get these photos taken, but I do occasionally find a photo of myself on Facebook or online right. that someone has taken from, you know, a backyard barbecue or, you know, at a friend's wedding that I've attended. And I look at this photo, Ryan, and I'll be like, mm-hmm. I don't remember my arms being that fat in real life. <laughs> I have a little bit of a chin issue. Um, so I'm a little self-conscious about that. So for you as a photographer who photographs a lot of celebrities who really know how to stand and they have that confidence, but also, you know, you're out and about and you take pictures of a lot of like everyday folks. So I figured mm-hmm. you would be a good person to share some tips, like some, you know, some of the do's in terms of when we get our photo taken, what should we be doing? Yeah, absolutely. And sorry about that. I don't know if you heard that, but I'm having a fire alarm in my building. Is that a fire alarm? I wasn't sure yeah, it was. Yeah, it's perfect timing, of course. <laughs> uh, just in time for the film festival. Um, yeah, so uh, one thing, I think the squishy arm situation happens a lot. We try and frame our bodies if we don't like, you know, maybe our hips or whatever it is. We try and sort of frame with our arms. But in doing so, you can actually sort of create that squishy arm situation. Um, so something that everyone does now, which can sort of be annoying sometimes when overdone, is the, you know, the hand on the hip. Yes, but some um, people put their hands in front, like on their weight, like on the front of their stomach. It looks weird. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. You have to find what works for your own sort of body shape. But right. I think the hand on the hip does sort of frame things nicely while keeping your arms nice and toned, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. I think, you know, uh, posture is another thing. You're talking about the, the double chin situation. Um, one sort of portrait tip for that is you keep your posture straight up, elongate, and just dip your chin down a little bit, which, which sounds funny when trying to fix a double chin, but you're trying to create these angles. So you, know, you angle your body, you bring your posture up, and you dip your chin a little, and it creates more of a, a sort of a you know, downwards angle. It does hide a lot of double chin situations. Okay. No, not for everyone, of course, but, right. uh, you know, yeah. Because oh, um, I, I realized from a lot of photos <clears throat> of myself through my, you know, university days that I was always, like, holding my arms against my body, which kind of squished them and mm-hmm. made them look a little thick. Uh, and, and I also find that how you stand or how you angle yourself to a camera can even just take off a few pounds. Yeah, I think, you know, turning a shoulder, dipping a shoulder forward, uh, creating that angle is, is always good. 
straight on tends to not be so forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, everyone looks amazing, generally speaking. Um, we're all way too hard on ourselves. So you just have to own it. You have to be in the moment. Um, you know, don't make things awkward by saying how awkward it is to have your photo taken. <laughs> you know, like, just, just be there. Don't ruin everyone's buzz. Have fun. Get the photo taken. I think that really does more than anything. Now, what about, uh, I guess, some common mistakes that you see people making, whether they are the subject of a, of a photo oh, or even you, taking especially photo? For, especially for what I do um, yeah. for events and that kind of situation. So this can be weddings or it can be parties or whatever it is. Uh, I call it bro stuff. No bro stuff, okay? What do you mean? No, what's, what's bro stuff? No arm around, you know, around your girlfriend, you know, like you're pretty much strangling her to show that, you know, she's your girlfriend. That's great. We get it, you know. No peace signs. No, I mean, that that might all be fun when you're 20, but, mm-hmm. you know, photos live forever now on the Internet and Facebook, and you don't want a, uh, an employer looking through your Facebook and seeing all these ridiculous photos when you're older, you know? Like gang signs? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, like, you know, well, I, I know, gang signs, peace signs, yeah. whatever people are doing with their hands in photos for some reason. I, it's just like, you know, it's not necessary. Yeah, Keep well, you're classy, right. people. Yeah. Now, uh, what about, I guess, just basic tips for someone who takes photos? Because I, you know, I'm no photographer by any means. I just like to play around with, um, like, with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm amazed how often someone will say, oh, let's take a photo. And we'll stand in the, like, in front of the most god-awful background. Like, <laughs> and, and people don't think about that. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think the number one tip is uh, if, if it's daytime, don't fight the sun. Um, you know, you don't want the sun behind you. That's, that's you know, obviously a no-no. Mm-hmm. Uh, turn everyone around, have the sun facing them so you get that great natural light. Shade is even better if you can find shade. Um, you might think it's too dark, but your phone will usually, you know, uh, fix everything. Um, another good tip, uh, if you're, especially for food photos in mm-hmm. a dark restaurant, is use another smartphone. There's always another smartphone with a friend or, or a family member or whoever. Use the other smartphone on flashlight mode to light up the food. This could also work for, for pictures at dark parties where you're lighting up your friends and stuff. So oh, yeah. That's, yeah, one interesting tip. So using and, another, uh, using someone else's phone as a light source. Yeah, so have that other phone on, on uh, flashlight mode and uh, use that as a light source. Um, also, you know, use ambient light where you can. Try not use your flash unless it's pitch dark. Flash, that you know, it always makes people look uh, sort of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so try and use ambient light. Now, because you do encounter a lot of celebrities you're on a lot of red carpets and a lot of parties you probably Mm. see uh people who you know get excited because they have possibly a chance to get a photo taken with a celebrity and you've seen this many times what are your tips well i think number one know your equipment so if your mom's there with you and you're meeting you know i don't know robert downey jr and you know you're handing her your blackberry bold from 2008 make sure she knows how to use that because you don't want to be in those situation where you're redoing and redoing and oh i'm not sure and it's taking a lot of time it's embarrassing for everyone celebrities are usually very nice about that kind of stuff but i mean you just want to avoid that so number one know your equipment right you know what that is a great tip because i see that happen so often where someone asks for a photo, hands their phone off to someone who's yeah. never used that phone before. And mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I need to turn the flash off. And then they take like eight photos. And then all of a sudden, it just it's kind of a buzzkill. Yeah. And, and don't be a creeper. You know, be nice. They're people. They're just like you. Like, would you like someone coming up to you at dinner or somewhere else and, you know, asking you for a photo in a weird way? So just, you know, play it cool. Yeah. Now, uh, so because you are very busy during TIFF, where can people see your photos? Um, well, quite a number of places. Um, I'll be shooting for the Associated Press this year during the film festival, um, a number of different magazines and newspapers. So you just have to, 
you know, you'll, you'll probably see my photos and won't even know that they're mine, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just keep an eye out. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Ryan. Great tips. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. That's Ryan Emberley. He's a society and a celebrity photographer. He will be uh, getting very close to a lot of the uh, celebrities during the film festival this year. Coming up next, 30 food trucks gathered in one spot. I'll tell you how you can take part. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I'm here until 10 p.m. just uh, covering for Vinnie White tonight, who is away for the long weekend. And uh, hope you're, I don't know, work up your appetite over the next few days because I'll tell you about this great food truck event in just a few minutes. until 10 p.m. tonight, so don't don't worry. Things haven't changed. He's just away for the long weekend. Paychen.com is where you can go to catch a podcast of the show, or if you've missed a previous week's show, you can always go there and catch up on that. Twitter and Instagram, at Paychen. Uh, I was talking earlier on about uh, the fact that a lot of students were moving into their dorms and into residence this past weekend. and just reminded me that it had been 20 years since I moved into Pittman Hall at Ryerson University 20 years ago. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Text me at 71010. Tell me something that you remember about your first year of university. So that, you know, year that you moved away from home or that you moved into a residence for the first time. For some reason, one of the, the things that stands out in my mind right now is that I needed to buy a computer and a printer. So I moved from Halifax, Nova Scotia, moved to Toronto to go to school, and uh, I obviously needed these basic back-to-school items, which are very costly. I bought a 486 computer, so that was the the processor. Is that the speed? Is that what it's called? Elliot, do you know? Yeah, that's uh, that was a term for a processor back then. Right, so I bought it. It evolved from the 386. Yeah, so mine was like really um, souped up at that time, because I think other people I knew had a 386. About a 46 computer, and I also needed a printer. So um, a guy in my program, he and I went to Future Shop around the corner on Young Street, and we bought this new thing at the time, and it was called a bubble jet printer. Oh, man. And I remember this very well. It was a Canon bubble jet printer. It printed about a page of double-spaced text, um, like every, <laughs> I think Felt like about every minute. Um, and it, you know how much it cost me? It was $500. Yikes. For this bubble jet printer. I remember it so well because I it was just so much money 20 years ago for this. And now printers, they cost nothing. They give them to you for free when you buy, like, um, I don't know, a DVD or something. Yeah, they hand them on the way out. Yeah, pretty much. So send me a text, 71010. Let me know what you remember about uh, your first year away from home or or some big purchase that you had to make. Tell me if you can beat my 46 computer. If you love discovering the culinary creations of uh, Canada's creative food trucks, well, there's an event taking place next Saturday in Mississauga featuring musical performances and uh, 30 of Ontario's best food trucks. Suresh Doss is on the phone right now. He's with Food Truck Eats, um, also Spotlight City. And uh, you're you're putting this on. You just had a quick little preview this past weekend with a couple of trucks downtown, but the big event is really taking place on Saturday. Yeah, there... we have, our main event is taking place next Saturday and, and Friday in Mississauga. Oh, okay. So two days? 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, Awestruck is sort of piggybacking on the uh, Mississauga Soundbites Festival. So mm-hmm. essentially, uh, it's, a, it's a music festival that takes place in Mississauga over two days. And this year, we're bringing 30 food trucks from across the province, and we're integrating our Awestruck uh, you know, Food Truck Awards as part of Saturday's programming. So Awestruck is, this is, is it the third year, Suresh? This is the third year, yeah. Wow. The first year. Yeah, I was there the first year. It was exciting, and it was just everything felt so new. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, now we have like you know over 150 trucks in the province, and like uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of competition for some of these awards we're trying to give out. Yeah, so you've got uh, different categories that people can vote on. I think that's the fun part is people can actually vote in a couple of different categories where awards will be handed out. So like best menu item, uh, best graphics, best new truck. Uh, best concept. What is uh, Road Warrior? What what does that mean? So we like to have a little fun every year with uh, with the awards, and we want to sort of recognize some of the key players in the industry in terms of you know who who are the pioneers and who are the, the big supporters of food trucks and and you know, people that are fighting for for curbside cuisine. So um, you know we'll usually nominate um, you know whether it's an event organizer or whether it's a food blogger or someone for a Road Warrior. Oh, okay, that's nice. So you're just like you're like rewarding someone who's just supporting the cause. Yeah, this is an individual that has you know been pivotal in pushing street food forward in various cities across Ontario. So someone who's actually fought to to have food trucks on the streets in the cities. Okay, and it's also a free event, which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, like from the beginning uh, when we were producing Awestruck, we wanted to see if we can get it to a point where it's a free, open to the public event and. Uh, this year, we're very happy to say that, you know, it's a free admission. It's like, you know, where we have a roundup of some pretty awesome trucks, and there's no admission fee. So people can just go down there uh, with loose-fitting pants and try out as many of the food trucks as they can because you're going to have 30 of them there. Yeah, we're going to have 30 of them. Bring your eating pants for sure. <laughs> and, um, I mean, like, Saturday, the trucks kick off at uh, 5 p.m. So, I mean, like, there will be some trucks there for lunch, but, I mean, all 30 – We'll be set up at 5 p.m. So I think you should come just before dinner time and you know spend six hours and eat your way through 30 trucks. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll you'll have a like a you'll see a list of trucks that will not be in the same space again anytime soon. So it'll be a good opportunity. So it's uh, so 5 p.m. is when people can go down. It's uh, Mississauga Celebration Square. That's where it's taking place. Yeah, Celebration Square, right across from Square One. Um, now, you've been working with food trucks really since they started becoming a bit more popular in, in Toronto, and uh, that's been a couple of years. So what trends are you seeing now? So I, the biggest thing that we've noticed this year, and I think it's uh, long overdue, is you're finally starting to see the ethnic food trucks sort of come out. You're starting to see uh, North African cuisine represented, West, you know, Caribbean, um, some Indian stuff coming out. Nice. Uh, more, more Korean. So it, it's it's about time that we're starting to move past. You know, I I love you know, pulled pork tacos and I love fish tacos, but we're starting to see some interesting stuff now. Now, uh, I guess what stands out? What items stand out to you from just this past year? Things that have really, you know, kind of made you take notice. I think I think right now it's West Indian food. There are three West Indian trucks, uh, Caribbean food trucks that are operating, and they are really being bold with the spice levels on the trucks, oh. which I, I find like really fascinating because, you know, historically in Toronto, when it comes to street food, people are a bit more you know conservative when they're serving mm-hmm. um, um, spices. But these trucks are just like I had a jerk chicken sandwich yesterday, and it was like super spicy. I had to actually <laughs> put it down after a few bites, and that's not you know that's not the norm.
No, you're right. It, it tends to be people tend to lean towards. I don't want to say bland, but not nothing too spicy, nothing too offensive, um, because you know, they want to accommodate, I guess, as many people as possible. So it's nice to know that there's an appetite for bolder flavors. Yeah, I think I think we're all embracing spice in Toronto now, generally speaking. So I think you're starting to see that on the food trucks as well. Now, are because you have really been a champion for food trucks in Toronto, and, and you know, as many people know, there have been some huge issues um, that continue uh, right now with um, trucks and and how accessible they can be and where they can park in the city. Have you found um, more cities becoming more accommodating of you know curbside cuisine? Now, everyone's operating at a different pace, pace yeah. but um, it looks like we're all, you know, we're at least pointing our, you know, our vision's being pointed in the right direction. So you have, you know, a city like Toronto that, you know, uh, incorporates the curbside license this year. Hamilton's looking at doing a lot of really cool things. Kitchener Waterloo is being really progressive. Uh, Ottawa really has led the way in the last year in terms of what they've done with streets. But I mean, I think if any city in the province or in the country's uh, needs an example. They need to look at Ottawa and see what Ottawa's done. Um, so I think we're all, you know, moving at a different pace. Some at snails and some, you know, at a cheetah space. But <laughs> yeah. but but we're getting there. Um, okay, I just want to talk about one particular item that I saw you, uh, I think, tweet about, and it was like a seventy-seven dollar shake or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> did, did you try? Have you tried this? No, because Suresh, it's seventy-seven dollars. So no, I have not tried it. <laughs> Okay, so like there's this, um, you know, um, a, a dessert truck. I don't want to call them an ice cream truck because they're way more than an ice cream. Okay. Truck. So I call them a dessert truck, um, but they, they specialize in gourmet ice cream combinations, crazy toppings, and you know, like this whole like soft serve, uh, modernized and modernized takes on soft serve is back in right now. You have all these po- uh, shops popping up in Toronto. So this truck wanted to take this, you know, concept that's very popular in the U.S. and taking this shake and putting it over the top. So, like, how can we get the best chocolates in the world and top it with the best chocolates? You know, gold leaf or a gold-encrusted um, Valrona a, a chocolate bar uh, and really present a super over-the-top decadent milkshake. And they're calling it the best picture milkshake, and it's 77 bucks. So which and, truck and is this? Which truck? It's the Hollywood Cone truck, and uh, they'll be at Ostruck next weekend. So so the $77 shake, it's because they use some of the best ingredients. <laughs> yeah, so like uh, Amadei chocolate, Valrona mm. chocolate. I think there's four different types of really expensive chocolate, um, some that they actually had to import from Vegas and from uh, New York. Uh, you, can't, you can't buy it here. Wow. Okay. But uh, I guess it's worth noting that most of the items from this truck are nowhere near $77. <laughs> um, no, I mean, they do really good shakes and, and uh, ice creams, but uh, this, this item is pretty, pretty expensive compared to the rest. Right. And uh, a bonus, all, all proceeds are going to charity. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I guess, if, you know what, I think it's one of those things that maybe you get a few friends together and you pool your money and then you just try it to say you've tried it. And it's a great you know, Instagram photo or something like that. Um, so again, let's recap for everyone. Awestruck is the award ceremony, which is taking place um, next Saturday at Mississauga Celebration Square. So the awards are at 7 p.m., but the food trucks, 30 of them, will be on site as of 5 p.m. Yeah, they'll be there Friday and Saturday around 5 p.m. Okay, perfect. So Friday and Saturday uh, at uh, 5 p.m., and people can vote online. Where should they go? Um, Facebook and Food Truck Eats on Facebook. So Food Truck Eats. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Suresh.
Thank you, Faye. So that's uh, Suresh Dosh. He's with uh, Food Truck Eats. Again, this is going to be a fantastic event. And like you said, there's already a, a big festival going on with lots of music and entertainment. And in addition to that, you can go there and uh, try out the um, the 30. <laughs> what was that, Elliot? <laughs> wasn't me. Oh, okay. It's traffic going by. It's gone. Uh, so again, so that's Food Truck Eats on uh, Facebook. You can go there and find uh, and actually and vote. Vote on your favorite favorite uh, food truck or food menu item um, after the break you will want to, you definitely will want to read more about the fine print uh, the next time you book a hotel because you might be paying a lot more for basic services that used to be free so if you thought you could put your own bottle of water like into the hotel mini fridge sure you can but it might start to cost you so I want to talk about that in a few minutes um, just a few minutes well just before I was talking to Suresh I was asking people what they remember about going away for school uh, going away to school and in 1994 20 years ago I paid $500 for a bubble jet printer that printed very very slowly and someone uh, and I asked for your text so text me at uh, 71010 tell me what you remember about uh, your school days someone wrote in that their dad had one of the first answering machines that ever existed wow and he paid $1,000 for it. The machine itself was bigger than a VCR. <laughs> but that's what happens when you want to be like on the cutting edge of technology is it costs you a small fortune. Um, so that, let me know, 71010, what memories you have of you know going away to school and, and things that you had to uh, and things you had to purchase. We're just taking a quick break here on uh, News Talk 1010. You're listening to Pay Chen. I'm in for Vinnie White this evening. Paychen.com if you want to catch up on the podcast. I'll be back right after this. You're listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. I'm Pei Chen, in for Vinnie White tonight until uh, 10 p.m. You can always give us a call, 416-872-1010, or text 71010. Um, Vinnie will be back next weekend. And if you want to catch up on the podcast, you can always do that on my website, PeiChen.com. But uh, one of the joys of sitting in for Vinnie, of course, is to have a crossover with Ed Keenan. Nice to see Hi you. Hi there. How you doing? So I usually run into you like outside as I leave the building yeah, and you're coming Yeah, usually in. I'm on my way in and you're on your way out. Yeah. Which is always a pleasant sort of off-the-air crossover. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but we finally get to sit in the same studio. Uh, now, one thing I wanted to ask you was that you've got a, you've got a few girls, right? Three? I've got two girls two and girls. one boy. Oh, one boy. And uh, any of them getting ready for back to school this week? Uh, yeah. They're all in their own way getting be- ready for back to school. My mm-hmm. son is going into grade three. My daughter's going into grade one. And my oh. youngest daughter uh, is is going to uh, preschool dancing classes right. a few days a week, and she has childcare some other days. But Are they all excited? Yeah. Or, yeah? Yeah, Are very excited? excited. Well, I'm, I'm sort of excited. There, <laughs> today was sort of a madhouse of uh, trying to get to stores to get back-to-school stuff, oh. you know, supplies for lunches mm-hmm. and the last-minute school supplies, make sure we have uh, my kids wear school uniforms right. or a dress code, so we needed to make sure that they have clothes that will fit them. So... This was some mad scramble to get to stores uh, before the holiday tomorrow. Yep. Um, 
And everybody else was scrambling the same way. It was everyone like, had uh, the same plan that you did. It was like the last Saturday before Christmas in the stores. It's like wise. I feel like people think like, oh, it's a long weekend, so maybe people go away yeah. <laughs> and I can go to the Not stores. Not so much. No, they had no. all the same plans as you. Uh, I I found the story that I thought was quite interesting. Um, well, you know how airlines are now charging you for every little thing. Like you used to get meals, mm-hmm. you know, even if you did a short haul flight. You used to be able to check your bag for free. These were all included. Yeah. And then it's seen and then now every you like you can barely get a cup of water on an airplane and if you get that you're lucky. But now you have to like buy all the food. Now uh, I'm annoyed because some of the um the short haul flights that I take where I'm used to being able to check one bag, now they charge you $25, $30. So it turns, I read the story um, where it talked about hotels now taking a page out of uh, airlines hmm. and they're starting to charge for all these small little things, small little services that you used to get for free. So of course, you know, we're kind of used to paying for things like out of the fridge, right? The mini bar, yeah. that's kind of common. Um, But a couple of other things that hotels are doing that you will want to pay attention to, and it's really sort of taking off in the States right now. So Mm -hmm. I think it's only a matter of time before it sort of filters north. So for people who are traveling uh, anywhere in the States, you might want to to read the uh, fine print before you sign off on anything because hotels are now charging fees. Like if you request, for example, two queen beds. Mm-hmm. Or you request a king bed. Typically, those rooms are about the same price. So you can say, like, oh, I, could we have two, two yeah. separate beds. And normally, like, it's fine. But now, some hotels are charging, like, $30 for you hmm. to actually request this. Wow. Well, I mean, the thing is, with all of these things, actually, yeah. and I, I know there's this impression of getting nickel and dimed. But with airlines, uh, I actually don't mind so much because... I think it, I mean, I took a half hour flight to Montreal once, yeah. right? And there's this absurd uh, scene where they come around with the drinks cart and then <laughs> they serve us a full meal and then rush, you know, they're rushing to take away your plate before you even had two bites because we're going to land, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and that's now, I've paid for that, right? Yeah. That's included in the price of my flight. So I figure uh, if they strip down and you have this no frills option that's very inexpensive, uh, and then you can pay for frills on top of that. That's mm-hmm. great. Uh, the same I feel with hotels. But what I want is transparency. I want right. to know when I buy my ticket, what's included and what's not. And so there should be a long list. Like even while I sign up, you go to uh, one of those online websites, Hotels.com yeah. or Expedia or whatever, and it gives you a price. It should say, uh, tick a box now if you want a queen bed. Tick a box if oh, you want yeah. nuts in your room. Tick a box mm-hmm. for you know, premium maid service because, like, let me know what's going to cost. Yeah. Because I hate, to, I just hate being surprised. I wish that they would charge me less, like, because I reuse my towel mm-hmm. uh, for the next day, I feel like they should take $10 off my bill. <laughs> right, hotel. so there could be all these discounts. Because, well, this is the thing, is, like, right now, hotels, you, for... Uh, many services you pay whether you use them or not. Yeah. So whether you ask them to change your sheets every single day or you get fresh towels every single day, you pay the same price as someone who might request that service. Absolutely. So now um, this article says that hotels, and I believe this is in the state specifically, will take in $2.25 billion in revenue simply from the add-ons. Um, that they're that they're charging now. So even simple things like you know how sometimes you can say, 
uh, okay, I understand that check-in is at 3 p.m., but I get in early. Could I come in at 2 if the room is ready? Right. And oftentimes they're accommodating because the room is ready. But now what they're doing is a lot of hotels are uh, charging you for every little thing. So if you want an early check-in, which oftentimes it will accommodate you, that's going to cost you extra. If you want to check out a little bit later, that will cost you extra. Uh, also, most hotels will store your luggage for you as a courtesy. So you check out at 11 in the morning, but your flight isn't until 2 you ask them to store your luggage for two hours. Normally they do See, that I think to be nice. With hotels, what they might need, yeah. uh, and airlines might actually better streamline this, but I think you'd almost need like like to have a no-frills service. Mm-hmm. At the same hotel, have business class service. So there's a different price for the kind of everything's included. Right. From the So then when you order the no-frills room, you know you're going to have to pay extra for even maid service, right? You know like, you have to bring your own pillow. Bring your own <laughs> pillow, right? Um, uh, so, so then you know, and if you're really budget conscious, that could actually be good for you because yeah. you can wind up saving money. But it's, it's the surprises I hate. It's like when I go to a restaurant and I ask for a side of mayo or mm. maple syrup and they with charge my pancakes. You for it. If the waiter, I mean, I know it's tacky for the waiter. It feels tacky to yeah. have to say, oh, hey, that's 50 cents extra. Uh, but if they say that and I go, yeah, yeah, that's fine, mm-hmm. then it's fine. It, yeah. it really is fine. But I hate getting the bill and seeing that they've charged me for something when uh, uh, coffee refills in breakfast joints, yes. uh, which you know you expect to be free yeah. or you expect to be included. And when they come by with the pot and I've and got a co- half full <laughs> cup of coffee and they say, can I warm that up for you? And then I see that I've been charged for another coffee. That's dirty. That drives me nuts. Yes. Right? you got to tell me. Tell me what I'm going to have to pay. That's yeah. that's my only request. I know other people have other pet peeves, but I just I just want to know. No, you know what? That that bothers me too because it's sneaky. And once I asked, uh, I asked for le- I had a sore throat, and I asked if I could have um, a lemon wedge for my water. And when I got my bill, they charged me a dollar for the lemon wedge <laughs> for a lemon for, for a I garnish. Li- for, you're right for a garnish. Yeah. They probably picked off the floor. I was livid, and it's not because I wouldn't pay that dollar. It's that. I can't believe you charge me a dollar for an eighth of a lemon. Yeah. Like it was, I, no. that to me was, I just left such a bitter, <laughs> literally bitter taste in my mouth. Um, well, another thing that these hotels are doing are, char- this is what boggles my mind because I don't ever take any of the snacks or anything out of the mini bar right. because I know how ridiculously expensive they are. So they're there anyway. So you know if you take something out of the mini bar that you're charged for it. So I choose not to. Sometimes I buy my water at a corner store down the street and I just put it in the fridge. Some hotels are charging a fee for you to use the fridge. Wow. So that, that's, see, now that's that's kind of dirty. Evil, right? Yeah. And I mean, the fridge is sitting there refrigerating <laughs> yeah. whether you use it or not. So this is, so one hotel, for example, is the Area Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So a popular hotel, uh, they will charge a $25 a day personal use fee if a guest puts their own pop or bottled water into the mini bar. $25 yep. a day? What's What's the room rate there? I don't know, but I've known people who've gone there and got a package deal, you know, and gone to stay at this hotel. Yeah, it's one of the nice ab- hotels. That's absurd. That's if you want to use the space in the fridge. So you could also request a mini fridge to be delivered to your room for an extra $35 a night. <laughs> so there well, you go. Okay, well, that, that makes a certain amount of sense that if they're going to bring a fridge and plug it in that you would pay a rental fee. But if the fridge is sitting there. The fridge is there, but you want to put your bottle of water in there from the corner store, it's yeah. going to char- they will charge you $25 for a personal use fee. 
that's anyway i feel like we could rant about this forever i can we quickly say what's coming up on your show sure absolutely <laughs> the labor day weekend uh is of course back to school but it's two other things this week was the last meeting of city council before the election so i want to take a quick book but look back at, not just at what we did on our summer vacation but mm -hmm. what we've done over the last four years because it's been interesting uh and then uh labor day really marks the start of the civic election campaign we've had sort of Seven months now of like warm-up heats and qualifying rounds. Now they're coming to the starting line. So I want to go through the, the major candidates and talk about uh, what they need to do and hear from listeners uh, what they want them to do as the campaign really takes off. All right. Sounds great. That's uh, Ed Keenan Show starting actually right now up until <laughs> 11 p.m. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm Paychan, to uh, catch the podcast. And anyway, we'll be back next week. Have a great long weekend.